Hey, what's up, guys? My name is Max, and I will be your host. This is the Talking Buds podcast. This week, we have my friend Dr. MJ Coco from CocoForCannabis.com come on. We discuss lighting and how to find a good grow light. Also, if you're looking to find a good grow light, I recommend you go to CocoForCannabis.com and use their grow light calculator. If you're a new grower or an experienced grower, this calculator can really help you find a good grow light. And he's got his picks also on there, which I recommend because he's testing a ton of lights. So let's jump into this episode with Dr. MJ Coco. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Talking Buds. I will be your host, Max. Today we have Dr. MJ Coco from CocoForCannabis.com. Uh, Dr. Coco, how are you doing? Hey, I'm pretty good. Thanks for having me on, Max. So today I wanted to talk to you about lighting and um, try and help some of the newer growers with uh, picking out a new light. I know that is one of your specialties, and I know you have the Grow Light Calculator on your website. Do you have any uh, tips for helping a newer grower pick out a grow light? Um, yeah, I have a lot of tips. <laughs> I guess my first tip would be come and check out our grow light guide. Um, I try to sort of work the, my way through the, the various things you want to think about. You know, it starts with the amount of space that you have, although sort of we should back up a second. I think that it really starts by thinking about kind of your, your harvest expectations, how much you need, um, how much space you have to grow, thinking about your budget a little bit. And, and all of that sort of comes together to define how much space, what, what kind of um, grow space you're going to be setting up. And we have a, a calculator to sort of help you with that. If you have a target harvest, for example, you can see how big of a space you're going to need in order to reach that target harvest. Um, once you've determined sort of the amount of space of your grow, then it's a good idea to try to fully light the grow. So to get... Um, you know, if you have four square feet in a pretty small space, a two by two foot grow space, then to get enough light to fully light that four square feet. If you have a four by four grow space, which is four times as much as a two by two grow space to get enough to sort of fully light that. Um, there's no need to have excessive lighting, but um, oftentimes growers grow with sort of inadequate lighting um, and that leads to sort of an inferior quality oftentimes. That's really the, the cause of LARF is um, inadequate light for the number of budding sites that a plant has. So we, um, we recommend that you think about sort of fully lighting your space. And in order to do that, you need to think about light um, and, and how to approach light. I think that for sort of brand new growers, it's easy to get manipulated um, by advertising, by marketing gimmicks. A lot of uh, companies advertise their lights to appear to be more powerful than they actually are. And so if you just look at the, the coverage ratings that they give, um, they're going to be telling you that the light will cover significantly more space usually than I'll tell you that that same light will cover. And so we developed the Grow Light Calculator to be able to sort of take those manufacturer specifications and see what the the light will actually cover. Um, so are you are you saying that when people are or these grow light companies are they putting false numbers with 
like the name of the light. Like I, I know a couple companies that will just put like 2000 or 3000 yeah. for a three. Those numbers are just, those just are brand names. They, they're not yeah, related usually. And if they are, it's, it's almost coincidental um, that they're related. You'll notice there's a, a trend right now going with a couple manufacturers where if it's 300 watts, they'll call it a 3000 model. But there's, that's not what you pay attention to. Those aren't the right metrics. Watts isn't the right metric to pay attention to when you're thinking about how much light you need. There's such a tremendous difference in how much light is produced by different technologies that just figuring, just basing it off of how much electricity it uses really doesn't tell you enough about how much light it produces. So we do our calculations based on photosynthetic photon flux, which is uh, the number of sort of photons that a fixture produces or delivers to the canopy of a grow. Okay, so basically it's, it's based on how much light is actually being dispersed from that light. Uh, the density. Yeah, yeah. so a, a fixture will be able to produce a certain amount of light and um, they measure that in a device called an integrating sphere um, which captures all of the photons that are produced by a fixture and essentially counts them and then you get a count and, and really I think people get confused when they're thinking about how much light do you need because they're thinking about light strangely. I really encourage people to think just in terms of photons. There's a number of photons and if you think about it in terms of like a number of photons then it's easier than thinking about it in terms of a more sort of abstract concept of light like brightness because it's not really brightness that we're concerned with. We're concerned with the number of photons that are hitting the plant and that are powering photosynthesis. So if a fixture can produce a certain number of photons, and then depending on how that fixture is designed and how it's hung and the grow space it's put into, some of those photons will be lost um, and won't arrive to the canopy of the plants. So there's the number that's really important and the number that I attempt to measure, and that's what our PAR tests are designed to do, is to measure how many photons actually arrive to the canopy of the plant for different fixtures. And that's the number that, that really counts, right? So different lighting technologies um, use different amounts of wattages and they um, you know, use different sort of form factors to, to distribute the light or different reflectors or all of these things have an impact on you know, how many photons actually arrive to the canopy. Okay, so let's say someone's starting to grow and they're on a pretty cheap budget. Uh, yep. Do you do you have any recommendations for a cheap, you know, sufficient yeah. light? Um, yeah, and in like talking specific brands, um, there's a couple out now that are are good. You know what? I, what I recommend you do, you avoid the the cheap blur poles. You avoid the lights that are are sort of low efficiency. And a lot of these lights that they sell on Amazon that are the box LED lights. So these, um, I'm not sure if you know what I mean by box LED, but the the older style LEDs are usually box LEDs with integrated fans. Right. Um, most of the old blurple lights are designed like that and the, the light itself is like a box, right? 
um, those fixtures tend to get um, photon efficiencies of about one micromole per watt. Um, the high efficiency LEDs that I'm testing now, I'm getting 2.3 micromoles per watt from some of these fixtures. So it, they're more than twice as efficient. Um, and if you're going sort of watt by watt, those, those box LEDs um, oftentimes exaggerate. So they'll, they'll say they're like a 450 watt, but they only draw 200 watts and you're only getting one micromole per watt from that. So you're only getting a fixture that draws or that produces, you know, 200 micromoles um, where you could get 200 micromoles from a, a sort of what would seem like a smaller fixture. Um, and it might seem like a more expensive light, but it's only because you think you're getting more light because they, they essentially lie about what those, those box LEDs can do. Um, so I recommend you avoid those sort of bottom end market lights and um, go for a high efficiency LED. It's a little bit more expensive on the upfront, but it certainly saves money and produces a better distribution of light throughout the, the course of the grow. They produce less heat um, per amount of light that they produce and everything else. They're just, it, it's certainly worth it at this point. Um, and it, it, it's even worth it on a cost, on a strict cost basis. So a couple of the, you know, there's some brands that used to make primarily blurple, low efficiency lights like Mars Hydro and Vipar Spectra right. um, that are both moving into higher efficiency um, LED panels. And they both have entry level options that are, are really decent options. A, a light you can start with that costs, you know, 120, 130 bucks and can be part of your grow for the next five, 10 years because it's a good quality light. And it's a small light, it'll only cover a, a small amount of territory, but it can always cover that territory, right? So it's better to go that way, I think, and buy smaller high efficiency lights and then increase the number of them as you're able to expand, as opposed to trying to get sort of lower efficiency lighting and then replace it in a year, or replace it in two years. Um, that's sort of more wasteful in terms of your budget. But those, the, the, the TS series lights from Mars, um, like thinking about like the TS 1000 now, that comes in at just about 50 cents per micromole. Um, so 50 cents, it costs 50 cents per micromole that it can produce. Okay. Um, I think it produces like somewhere around 250 micromoles and it costs like, um, you know, 120 bucks or 125 bucks. So those, that, it's like a $125 light. Now you may be looking on Amazon and you'll see a light that only costs $60. And you're thinking, well, this is a better deal. This is, it says it also can cover this much territory, blah, blah, blah. If you actually look at the amount of light it produces, it, those cheaper blurple lights, quote unquote, cheaper blurple lights are usually a little bit more expensive than 50 cents per micromole. So you're not saving any money by getting that $60 light instead of the $120 sort of TS-1000. You're just getting less light. I mean, you're spending less money because you're getting less light. Right. So, and it's going to be a less efficient light and it's going to be more expensive to run. It's going to produce more heat and it's, you know, you're going to want to replace it at some point. So, 
Um, those entry-level lights, the TS series and the new XS series from Vipar Spectra, I just got one of those. I'm about to um, do a test report on that. Um, and it tested really well. And it, I tested the, little, um, the XS 1500. Um, and it's a great 2x2 two two par map. And they're only selling it as a 2x2 two two light, which I appreciate because in sort of previous times, they would have taken a light that produced that much, that many micromoles of, of uh, PPF and sold it as being a 3x3 three three or a 4x4 four four light or something like this. So, you know, as I go through and I, I test these fixtures and I, I have a bit of a dialogue with the manufacturers, I've gotten Viper Spectre to change um, some of the ways that they've they've described their their lights and some of the par maps that they've used, and uh, I've got Mars to change some of their marketing strategies like that as well, just to encourage them to be a little bit more transparent with you know what these fixtures can actually do. My argument with both of them is, you guys now have decent lights. You can just you know they can stand on their own merits at this point, and it would be a better right. strategy to to just be straightforward and give good information so growers can make educated decisions. And that's what we try to do with the, our testing project in the, the Grow Light Guide at Cocoa for Cannabis. I mean, I'm trying to do sort of as many of these independent Grow Light tests and kind of hold manufacturers a little bit accountable for some of their marketing practices, but also just create that um, independent source of information so growers can feel more confident about what they're buying. Right. So, I mean, when, when the LEDs first came out, they used to think that the, the blue and red spectrum was more efficient to produce, but now it seems to have changed. But, and even in those blurple lights, they used to have to power a fan as well with the same amount of watts. Now right. all that watts goes right to the quantum board, right? Yeah, to the quantum board or to the LED bar. Um, the LED bar fixtures now are more efficient than the quantum board style. But um, so the top of the line models now are pretty much all LED bars that are pulling up to 2.3, 2.4 micromoles per watt. The quantum boards are getting up to about 2.15, 2.2. Um, and all of these numbers that I'm quoting are usable PPF. That's the amount of light that arrives to the canopy, which, so my numbers are going to be lower than the numbers that the manufacturers quote, which are based off the, the amount of light that the fixture produces. And not all of that light that the fixture produces arrives to the canopy. And what we really care about, again, is what arrives to the canopy. So there's a difference there, but they're both really excellent options. Um, and yeah, they use passive cooling. So you don't, the, the quantum boards and the LED bar style lights essentially spread the diodes out enough that they're able to just use sort of uh, passive cooling and heat sink. Um, they don't have to have a fan that, that cools the diodes. They still produce sort of a similar amount of heat, but you're right, they don't have to spend any energy dissipating that heat. And yeah, they've just gotten to be really efficient. And like I was saying, they've gotten to be really cheap. So there is no economic advantage to buying the, the cheaper technology at this point. Um, you're just buying cheaper technology and potentially getting less light than you need for your grow space. Um, you can grow decent plants under blurples. I'm not really making that argument. I'm just, my argument is they're not efficient ways to, 
to convert electricity into to PPFD or PPF. Right. And I, I had seen that on your YouTube channel. You actually just uh, not too long ago did a, a video on running fixtures in an array with the, yes. the SP3000, I believe. Yep. So what did, what did you think about that light? And uh, do you believe I that? I got one of them for myself. <laughs> oh, you did? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is just about the highest endorsement I can give to a light. Um, yeah. I mean, I get my hands on a lot of really, really cool fixtures. Um, and that's the one that I chose to, to keep and put into my own grab. So the SP3000 is a pretty impressive fixture. Um, I was really sort of surprised by it in my testing and in like all of the different tests, it just kept sort of exceeding my expectations for what it could do. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a really impressive fixture. And it's certainly the best that Mars has come out with. And you know, it, it gets, well, as a single fixture um, in the space that it's really designed for, it gets almost 2.2. Um, if you put it into a 2x4 tent, which is, I think, what most growers that run one of these will end up doing, um, you still get over 2.1 micromoles per watt, which is just a phenomenal photon efficiency to, to squeeze into a two by four tent with the amount of, of uh, parts putting out, with the amount of PPF. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. I haven't actually turned it on yet. I, my seedlings have just, I mean, there's not seedlings, they're young vegging plants at this time, but they're not even in, in final containers. So I still have them under um, uh, my seedling light. I use a smaller light for seedlings. Okay. so. So actually, let's talk about your grow right now. Um, you're yeah. actually growing for one of your cocoa for cannabis uh, grow challenges, right? The yeah, plant training I, challenge. Absolutely, I do all of them. Um, so that's sort of my grow calendar. Right? I try to get everybody else to to get on the same calendar so we can all grow together. Um, but yeah, the current challenge is the plant training grow challenge. It started in mid August. It actually doesn't have a firm start date because we have a designated flip date um, or the initiation of flowering date, which is coming right up here in just a couple of weeks on October 1st. And so, yeah, we start, you get in this challenge, you can start sort of whenever you want to in order to be in position so that you can flip your plants to flowering on October 1st. And um, yeah, so I got my little plants. I started them like the last week of August. Um, and they're doing well now. They're about to go. I'm sort of late getting them up into their final containers. And I also have one little baby that's coming up that's going to be my party cup um, grow. In this challenge, we're doing a sort of optional add-on uh, party cup challenge. So you got to keep a plant all the way through in an 18-ounce or smaller party cup, um, which I've never done before. So that's going to be fun. <laughs> And uh, it's just still a wee little seedling. I just put it up into its uh, party cup. Was that yesterday or the day before? Eh, either yesterday or the day before. So with, with a little plant in a party cup, is there a specific light that you would want over that? You want, would you want your uh, SP3000 over that? Or would you want a light pushing 
uh, less amount of light onto it with it being so small. Well, you control really the amount of light um, by the distance to the light source. But no, once the, once the plant is sort of uh, mature and really it's only got a few more days before it could handle um, sort of the, the full dose of, of PPFD and I'll start ramping it up. Um, I am in sort of the position where I can take really careful measurements of these things and I've started doing that. I've had the sensor for a while now, but I've never really broken it out quite as much as I did on this grow. Um, primarily because I'm using the, the, the little Vipar Spectra P1500 light that I reviewed a couple months ago is my seedling light and it's um, very easily dimmable. So I set it up and sort of used the dimmer in my um, quantum sensor to, to dial in the, the photon densities, the PPFD that the seedlings were exposed to the whole way. Um, and I ramped up the light pretty quickly. Um, started them, you know, with only their, their cotyledons or their first set of leaves as the first set of leaves were still small. They were still down around 150 micromoles of PPFD. Um, but after they sort of grew in past their first node, I raised them up to 300. Um, by the time they were sort of pushing past the second node, I was sort of moving them up from 300. Um, and by the time they got up to their third node, which I consider to be the end really of the seedling stage, um, they were at 500. So I worked them up really slowly um, with the dimmer and with my quantum sensor. And they did great on that schedule. And so really at that point, you can continue to increase the PPFD past 500 up to, you know, young plants don't need to be pushed up to a thousand. Um, but young plants can certainly handle what we would consider a full dose of light, which is in the, you know, mid 700s. Um, and that's not really an issue. And that's what, you know, I, I can create that condition for them in the, under the SP3000. Um, it's going to be interesting to, there's some challenges with keeping a plant with a root mass that's that small, but no, I'm going to push them on sort of the photosynthetic, the, the quantum load that they can take just like I would other plants pretty much. Okay, so... Once they're in sort of, you know, the, the mature stage, once they, certainly once they're flowering, they'll get a full dose of light. So the mature stage and being able to take, you know, a good amount of light, is there a set amount of nodes for, for you to consider it to be a mature plant? Or how do you... Um, yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Basically, just the seedling stage. And so the seedling stage is before the plant, well, I define it as before the plant has three full nodes growing in. And so it's, it's pushing, you can see the leaves coming up for that will be the fourth node. And at that point, um, the plant is usually ready to, to graduate from its seedling container up into a larger container. And it is, you know, it's sort of through a lot of the rest of it. So the way that I grow with uh, high frequency fertigation, at that point, it's on its full dose of um, electrical conductivity, essentially. I've worked the EC up as I'm working the PPFD up during the seedling stage. So by the, the time it's sort of pushing out its fourth node, I consider it to have graduated from seedling stage. 
And you don't want to do anything fast to the plant, right? So if you've been on really low light up until that point, you don't want to suddenly give them 750 micromoles. Mm -hmm. um, but they can handle it if they've been sort of worked up to that at that point. Okay, and, and with like uh, the Mars Hydro and the Viva Spectra, I, I used to run a Mars Hydro and for for you to dim it it was with like a screwdriver you had to stick into the driver yeah no they've upgraded all of that so all of the the mars hydro fixtures now have the external dimmers with the dimming knobs and i've tested a few of them and the dimming boxes are all within about five percent so they're actually pretty nice now those screws were useless um <laughs> that's where you were going right <laughs> well i mean i i just thought it was very difficult to actually see the amount of light that um you were pushing yeah. your watch and they weren't very well they weren't they're not the screws aren't calibrated very well so you think you turn it a quarter turn or something and that's down to 75 it's not even close to that um in fact i've i've played around with some of those screws and sometimes you you can turn it a quarter turn nothing happens and then in the next quarter turn it you know goes through its entire dimming sequence down to zero um, it doesn't seem to be very even with those screws either. So if you have a dimmer, um, if you're dimming your light with one of those set screws in the driver, uh, I think the only way to do that effectively is to have a quantum sensor that's measuring the output of light or uh, it's sort of, you can do it with a power meter. The power meter is not in exact alignment with the PPFD because the fixtures become more efficient as they're dimmed. So when you're operating on, on say, 50% power, you're actually getting like 55% of the light, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I know in the start of the episode, you talked about you know, uh, a newer grower starting small and building his way up. Mm -hmm. Is it is it possible for you to have smaller lights and have it be more efficient than just one big light? Yeah, it is. It totally is. It totally is. So, uh, uh, especially because you can do what I'm doing, right? So right now, I've been growing for a month right now, and I'm running, what, like 50 watts for most of this time because I have um, the little Vibar Spectre XS1500, which is, or sorry, it's the P1500 that I'm running, which is just designed for a two by two space, but it's a perfectly decent light for a two by two space. And if you want to start with that, go with that for your first month or whatever. And just, if you want to just flower out a two by two area with it for your first grow, that's fine. In the next grow, you got a little bit more money because you're not having to, you know, buy as much uh, pot anymore. Then, um, you buy another one and you run them in a little array and now you got a two by four high efficiency fixture and yeah if you watch that arrays video that i did um running fixtures in an array is more efficient than running them on their own in in sort of a, a confined space so putting two of of those lights into a two by four is going to get you even more than having you know one in a two by two and another one in a two by two you can eventually work up. I, I've actually recommended that to a lot of growers with the Mars TS series in a four by four tent. Um, if you're really budgeted strap, I've talked to some people that already had four by four tents and they want to sort of upgrade into the TS series lights. I said, just get one TS 1000. 
and, and add that to your blur polites or whatever you have now. And then when you get a little bit more money, add another TS-1000. And then at some point you'll be able to add like the TSL-2000 and those three in an array are perfect for a four by four tech. Um, really high efficient system. And then as you're getting growing on each run, you, you can just sort of turn them on as the plants fill in the space, right? You don't have to start with all of them lit up. Um, that's one of the advantages or one of the disadvantages of having a really large light um, is, you know, it's usually an all or nothing thing. And if you have like four little seedlings, they only take up like one square feet or one square foot. You don't need to be lighting up your entire 16 square foot tent. Yeah, I, I am going to totally agree with that. I actually still have um, my little Mario's Hydro TS-1000 and I have a, I have a bigger quantum board uh, that fits about, I'd, I'd say it, it could flower out about a four foot by four foot. But yeah, I still I still use my TS one thousand and I quantum board even... that flowers out of four foot by four foot space is how many watts are you pulling on that quantum board? It's about four hundred and eighty watts. So that would be closer to a three foot by three foot space. Okay. Yeah. See. Um. <laughs> maybe it depends on the efficiency. It may be close. Um. But yeah, I would think about 400 watts at 2.1, you'd get like, yeah, you'd be at about 10 square feet or something. That's just the numbers off the top of my head. Okay. Okay. But yeah, that's a much bigger light, a much bigger light. Right. And I mean, even, even in my, uh, the booklet that came with my light, it says it can veg a five by five and flower out a four and a half by a four and a half. Yeah, that's, you know, um, there's this ongoing perception because manufacturers talk about lights that way. There's this perception that like cannabis plants need more light during the flowering period than they need during the vegetative period. Um, and that's not true. Plants, the photosynthetic needs of the plant don't change at all between vegetation and flowering. They can use the same density of light in vegetation that they can use in flowering. They can't suddenly sort of use more. So the main reason that manufacturers say that the lights can cover more territory and veg is because it's not as important to be sort of fully lit during vegetative growth. Right. But it still is an advantage to be fully lit during vegetative growth. I mean, plants still grow faster if they're fully lit, but it's you actually suffer and yield in during the flowering period if you're not. So I really don't recommend that growers think about two different coverage areas. Um, set your coverage area based on the, the sort of maximum needs of the plant, um, which is sort of closer to what the manufacturer would recommend as their flowering coverage area. But just a word to the wise, most manufacturers exaggerate their recommended flowering area because they want their fixtures to be more attractive to consumers. And you're more likely to buy a light that says it will cover a four by four than you are to buy a light that says it will only cover three by three. Right. Yeah, that that's totally true. And maybe that's what got me to buy this light. I, I just, I heard that the quantum boards, you know, um, a lot of people talk about the HLGs and how well they actually perform. And I know that my lighting company hasn't even actually tested uh, the PAR and the PPFD on my light yet 
So I don't even understand where they pulled their numbers from. If maybe they just. Well, they didn't, from what I saw, they didn't give a lot of numbers on, on PARM PPF, um, which to be honest with you is a bit of a concern. If I was working with them, that would be something that, that I sort of insisted they added to their website um, because it's critical information for consumers to have to be able to analyze a light. And they don't really have a, a PAR map either, which it was a little bit surprising, but uh, the components yeah. that they are using seem to be sort of similar. I, I wouldn't, I don't have any reason to believe that it, it would test sort of much different than our expectations of it. Um, and the HLG lights are sort of in that range. The HLG lights are pretty good for quantum boards for sure. Um, quantum boards are sort of tipping or topping out the scales at about 2.2 though. And some other sort of the, the LED bar design can certainly go higher than that. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I, I believe the number I heard, um, they were chasing was 2.7. So yeah, that's a total PPF number and that's actually a calculated PPF number. So if you put that 2.7 into our grow light calculator, it would immediately tell you that it was at 2.2 or 2.1. I can actually do it on <laughs> the calculator open over here on one of these tabs. Um, but that's, that's one of the things that our, our grow light calculator is designed to do is to, to estimate the, the sort of um, difference between the different ways that PPF is, is um, <sighs> tabulated, let's say. Oftentimes what manufacturers will do is just simply take the efficiency of the diodes um, times the efficiency or, and multiply it by the efficiency of the driver. Um, so if the diodes get 3.1 and the, the driver is 90% efficient, then they say our light is 2.7. Okay. And so they're just basically going off of, um, you know, absolute perfect conditions, dials right. all turned all the way up. And they're not accounting for things like thermal losses or um, reflective losses of light or overspill or um, any of those other ways that either energy or light is lost. And they have no incentive to account for any of those losses because it would make the number smaller and they want to say the biggest number they possibly can say. So that's what most of those numbers are. So when you see 2.8, 2.9, 2.7, those are all just calculated efficiencies that are based off the efficiency of the diode times the efficiency of the driver. Um, and th this is like, I mean, if you're familiar with horsepower, this is the difference between like calculated horsepower and the horsepower that's actually measured off of the rear axle. Um, it, it's a, two totally different beasts. So the manufacturer gives you that calculated value. Um, they all sort of do that. And we went through in, to develop, I went through to develop the, the grow light calculator, um, dozens of fixtures, test reports that we had um, data on the calculated PPF, the total PPF, and the total PPF is what you get if you stick one of these fixtures in an integrating sphere and measure that that way. That actually just counts the, the photons, but it counts each and every single photon. Okay. Um, that, that total PPF is always less than the calculated PPF, which makes sense. <laughs> but it's still more than what, what um, we call usable PPF. And the usable PPF is the, the number of photons that actually arrive to the canopy of a, of a well set up grow space. 
Um, so a grow space that has reflective walls where the fixture is hung at the appropriate level. So I'm measuring those photons that actually arrive to the canopy. And that's when I'm talking about 2.2 micromoles per watt. Um, the manufacturers are talking about this calculation of the diodes are this efficient and the driver is this efficient and therefore it's okay. going to be 2.7. Um, and again, analyzing these dozens of fixtures, I was able to create um, formulas that if all you have is that 2.7 from the manufacturer and you tell the girl like calculator, this is a calculated PPF of 2.7 and this fixture draws 300 watts, it will adjust that and estimate what you would get in an actual gross setup, how much light this fixture will actually produce. Um, and every time I test a fixture, I, I first I do that in the calculator. I run the numbers in the calculator and I show what, you know, we would predict in the calculator. And then I run the PAR test and I come back and I compare sort of the measured PAR test data with the calculator data. And we're like within like one to 5%. Um, the calculator wow. is showing itself to be really quite accurate in, in making these estimations. Um, so anytime you can get a number like that, if you can get that 2.7 number, you can take that to the grow light calculator, plug that in and get sort of a, a better estimate of how much territory this light can cover, um, you know, what the real efficiency of the light is. Uh, you can put the price in and, you know, the calculator will tell you if it's a good deal or not. Okay. So let's talk about that grow light calculator a little bit. With, <laughs> yeah. with that, with that grow light calculator, if like if I was trying to find a light that would cover my four by four, you have you have preset um, light fixtures already in there, right? Would it would it yes. recommend a light for that, or how does how does that work? If you look in that menu, I give a little thumbs up to the fixtures that we specifically recommend in there. Um, or the, the fixtures that are sort of um, the best the best options, you know. Um, but yeah, we draw, so there's, there's really two calculators on that page. Um, one is a, a enter your own data calculator where you can just go, you found a light, it says it gets 2.65 micromoles per watt and draws 700 watts and you want to know how much territory is this actually going to cover you can enter that data in the enter your own data calculator. Um, and then next to it, we have the preloaded fixtures calculator where all the fixtures that I've tested, a lot of the fixtures that Shane from Migro has tested, um, I load there, the data is already for you. So you can sort of scroll through. And yeah, we, we organize those by coverage area. So I have the small fixtures for less than six square feet and then the mid-size fixtures for the, the six to 12 square feet, and then the larger ones above 12 square feet. It, you know, there are some good fixtures so that are, are single fixtures for uh, a four by four grow space. Um, we're actually giving one away in the, the plant training grow challenge here in a couple of weeks. The, the Photon Tech uh, X465 Watt Pro is a beautiful fixture. I tested the 600 watt version of the larger version of that um, which is for a five by five grow space, but they make the 465 watt for a four by four space. Um, at this point, that's my top recommendation for a four by four grow light. Um, I'm about to test another one. 
um, that's designed for a four by four space, um, another LED bar style. And if you want a single fixture for a four by four, I think at this point I would recommend an LED bar style. Um, but I also sort of, like we were talking about, I like the, the array concept. So even in a four by four grow space, I think running two fixtures together that are designed each to cover like four by two, and I've tested a number of really excellent four by two fixtures. Um, it provides more flexibility in your management. You can have two different sort of heights on them. If a couple of the plants get a little bit too tall, you can raise that light up. You don't have to, uh, it just gives you a little bit more flexibility in canopy management. Um, and it gives you more flexibility early that you don't have to turn on a giant fixture while you're still only using sort of part of the tent. So. There are different ways to go there. I understand some of the appeal of having a single fixture though also. But yeah, we also have a recommended grow lights page um, and there's links on the calculator to sort of the specific models and, and the units that I would recommend. But there's a number of articles. I mean, our grow light guide is really designed to, to help growers um, learn about lights um, so that they can make their own educated decisions. And then we try to produce, um, you know, credible third-party data so growers can trust sort of the, the data and, and trust the numbers and, and understand what they're really going to get. Yeah, I, I actually, I love that whole grow light calculator and finding, a, you know, the amount of uh, UMOLs you need per space. And yeah. I think it's I think it's great. I used that the first time I started growing. Um, I, your website was one of the first ones that popped up for me. And actually, I actually recommended to uh, my lighting company to have you test their their light. Yeah, I told them if they wanted to um, actually see real numbers and get a third party test that's not going to be you know uh, biased in any way, that they should definitely just go through you. Yeah. Yeah, I got to figure out the, I'm going to quickly, and I'm realizing this, get sort of more testing traffic than I'll be able to keep up with. So I got to figure out a good game plan for how I can approach all of this. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited about the opportunities to, to test new fixtures. So hopefully we'll be able to, to maybe put something together with them. Yeah, that'd be awesome. And also on your website, there's there's way more than just the grow light calculator and all that. You got tutorials. You have um, a chat room. You want to talk a little bit more about your website? Um. Yeah. No. Absolutely. There's way more to it than the grow light calculator. That's really one of our more recent projects that we've um, just launched the calculator earlier this year, back in the spring. Um, so it's one of the things that I'm sort of the most excited about these days, and been doing a lot of grow light testing and everything like that. But um, no, it's a, it's a pretty big website. I'm always daunted by sort of trying to keep up with all of the things that we've created on there. Um, but we have a, a good table of contents with a number of articles on um, various aspects of growing. Um, so articles on, you know, set up these articles on, on grow lights, but articles on um, preparing media, a bunch of articles on growing in cocoa, which um, you know, it's sort of how we, we got into all of this in the beginning, but we, we're certainly not limited to, to just focusing on growing in, in cocoa core. We talk about um, a number of plant training articles there. 
um, lots of articles on, on nutrients and other things like that. So um, a good table of contents to help sort of, you know, get up to speed with um, certain aspects or different aspects of indoor cultivation. Then we have the equipment and product guide, which we've tried to go through and sort of curate a, a product guide to help people that are setting up and shopping for grow lights and grow equipment and all of that. Um, oftentimes it can be pretty daunting, I think, for new growers to even know what they need, um, much less sort of what's the good one to buy or where can I save money or where should I get, you know, the top of the line model or those sort of different things. So we've tried to, to create that, that guide really in the interest of growers. Um, and then we have, so that's all sort of one side of the website, our articles, the grow light guide and the equipment guide. And then we also have the community. Um, and the community, we have the chat room. So um, I think we're the best, if not the only <laughs> like live cannabis chat room. Um, where you can drop in and pretty much 24 hours a day, there's an ongoing conversation about growing cannabis um, amongst fellow home grower enthusiasts. Um, we have a badging system so members can earn and request badges. And then you'll know as a, as a new user of the site, you know, this is a proven grower, this is a practicing or a new grower, all of that. So there's a bit of uh, sort of credibility and accountability built into that chat room. Um, we have a, a pretty large forum. Um, we have literally hundreds of people keeping their grow journals in our forum. Um, and we have, you know, other sort of areas of the forum where people ask questions and engage in conversations or write up their recipes or share how-to tutorial things like that. It's really, I, I'm really always pleased with how active the forum is. And as part of the forum, um, we do grow challenges. I believe we were talking about a little while ago, um, three times a year. So we try to get everybody together and do these grow challenges. Um, and I'm starting to get together some really decent prizes for these things. Um, so, you know, it's a little bit late to get into the, the plant training grow challenge, which we were talking about, but the next challenge is the big one. It's always been our biggest challenge. This will be the third annual New Year's Grow Challenge. Last year, we had over 400 people register. Uh, I think we can do quite a bit better this year. Hopefully, get a really big um, group together. I'm going to get some like fantastic prizes for our giveaways and drawings and and like best journal and you know best recovery from disaster prizes and all sorts of stuff like that. Um, the challenges are always free to everybody to sign up for there. And there's really, there's no catch. I'm literally just doing this to build the community and to, to create a space for growers to, to be able to collaborate, um, work together, share knowledge and yeah, you know, in the spirit of collaboration. Yeah. I, I actually love that concept and I, you know, even even something as small as uh, your fertigation system and uh, all the parts that you can get off of Amazon, you have every single part for having an automated uh, watering system, which is huge in cocoa, especially if you're doing like a yeah. party cup and watering, you know, 15, 20 times a day. That's yeah. Just, it's, it's, yeah, I'm it's going crazy. to. 
Um, absolutely. The, the water, the DIY automatic watering system um, tutorial is one of our most popular articles. Um, and a, a lot of people have put that system together. I'm really happy to have sort of shared that with the community um, because it absolutely saves so much time and effort. And if you're doing this style of grow that I'm doing, it just makes it, it just makes it a joy. I mean, I get to go in there and work with my plants on sort of um, a friendly basis. It's not sort of hard manual labor all the time. So, um, and not just the automatic watering system, but the drainage system, I think is, is really almost the more important part of that. The having a way to get rid of that water that you don't have to be there every time to do it. Um, a lot of new growers end up sort of, uh, handcuffed to their grows because it requires constant supervision. And I, I think, you know, for your first grow, you should probably be pretty handcuffed to the grow. Um, but after a while, if you want to keep growing, you need to be able to like, let your grow go on autopilot yes. for a few days. And if you can never do that, then it really can affect the quality of your life. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that. I did uh, hand water my first grow. I was definitely hovering over my first grow. And yeah. like you said, I, I, I recommend it though. I mean, you gotta, you gotta learn how the plant works um, yep. and, yep. you know, play with it a little bit to get used to it. And then after that, to have an automated watering system and an automated draining system to actually be able to go in there and spend time with your plants without being irritated of how much time yeah. you've been there already. It's yeah. huge. And to just be able to set up their, their fertigation to be sort of ideal for them, not the compromise of like what you can physically accomplish because of like your schedule or whatever. Um, yeah, no, it, it's a huge time saver and grow enhancer. But yeah, people often often do sort of the, the criticism of the automatic watering system is always like, oh man, but I like to spend time with my plants. I'm like, so do I. It's not, it's not about like not spending time with your plants. It's just about not having to get in there and manually hand water them. And when, I mean, I grow with high frequency fertigation. We haven't talked much about that. I think a lot of people listening to this may know a little bit about who I am or how I grow or something, but um, I fertigate five times a day during flowering, just really small waterings, but really frequent waterings. Um, it's not possible to do that by hand. I mean, it's not possible for me to do that by hand. Um, maybe some other glutton for punishment would want to hand water five times a day. <laughs> but yeah, you can't even sort of set up a grow like that without having an automatic watering system, I would think. Right. And and even with your fertigation and the five times watering, you have the whole uh, feed chart laid out for everybody. I used that feed chart my first time and I was very successful. I didn't, you know, I might've had other issues in my grow with light leaks or other uh, complications. But besides that, I grew some dank and I had some medicine for myself and you know, what else Excellent. can you ask for? You know, I'm happy to hear it. Another satisfied reader, right? Um, no, that, that's great. I, I'm really happy to, to sort of share that. So yeah, you're right. The, the mixed nutes, the nutrient recipe that, that I use, that we developed. Um, and, it, you know, a lot of growers have used that. We get very few complaints. I do think the dose, just to anybody that may be using it, the one thing I am going to change when I update this is to to lower the dose of cool bloom um, sort of throughout that cycle, but especially at the end. Um, but, you know, a lot of plants can, can tolerate it well there. It's just that's, that's where we run into issues to the extent that there are issues with that nutrient cycle. 
but yeah, a lot of growers have had success with it. And that's been the, the, the biggest sort of joy and, and payoff for getting involved in all of this. You know, we started this a few years ago. Um, my, I wrote a book because I wanted to sort of have there be a resource available to growers that was actually based in science that, that talked about how to grow in cocoa core um, because I was doing it and everything I was reading online was just like, I mean, terrible and wrong and not just like, like wrong, like, oh, well, that's not entirely true, but wrong, like that's going to hurt your plants if you do it like that. Um, and people sort of struggling and, and people hating growing in cocoa on different forums and stuff. So um, I think it's a, a really sort of a miracle media for growing indoors in particular. Um, and it's not that hard to figure out. And, you know, once you, once you get it figured out, it, it's, it's a really sort of fun way to grow really fast, vigorous, healthy plants. I, I totally agree with it, man. And um, I know we're coming up on the end of the hour. So do you want to, you know, uh, give any uh, last shout outs or, um, you know, list your Instagram name so everybody can find you? I am, yeah, at Dr. MJ Coco on Instagram. Follow me on Instagram. Um, I am at Dr. MJ Coco on YouTube. Um, subscribe to my YouTube channel, check out the, the Grow Light videos, that Grow Light physics video. You know, I spent like six weeks, I was working on that video like 24 hours a day for six weeks over the summer. Um, so um, I, I hope everybody watches and enjoys that video. A bunch of other videos um, on Grow Light testing, but also on things like mixing nutrients and preparing cocoa and stuff like that. Um, I have a Facebook presence, um, also Dr. MJ Coco, Twitter, Dr. MJ Coco, but of course the best place to, to find me and to come and interact with us is at CocoaForCannabis.com. Um, like we're talking about the chat room. Um, it's a really cool place. If you have any kind of questions or just want to hang out and chat with some fellow growers, um, yeah, it's a cool place to just log in and uh chat i'm often there but even if i'm not there's other people that are well experienced and are always eager to help out new growers um and if you're an experienced grower and you want to sort of have that opportunity to, to help you know answer some questions and stuff go and hang out in the chat yourself and people come there all the time and looking for a little advice and sharing grower love um you know and of course our challenges um we are still accepting people to sign up for the plant train and grow challenge until the flip date of October 1st. Of course, you're supposed to like flip your plants on October 1st. We're, we're flexible there if you need another, you know, week or two, but um, you can still get in that. Certainly if you have a grow going right now that, you know, you can flip around October 1st, um, join us in the plant train and grow challenge. We've got some, you know, a cool community, uh, a lot of cool prizes, and uh, it's a lot of fun to, to sort of be growing along with a bunch of other growers at the same time, and everybody's interested in everybody else's grow, and it's just, it's fun to sort of be in a community of farmers. I think far too often we can be really totally isolated amongst ourselves and growing in our tent in our room or whatever, um, so it's fun to have that community. Yeah, and that is one of the reasons why I started this podcast, you know, is to knock down the stigma around growing your own and even cannabis in general. And you guys can find me at Coco for Cannabis. I'm going to leave everything in the show notes so everybody can find it. And um, 
I want to really appreciate or uh, say thank you for coming on, Dr. MJ, and I hope to have you back on soon. Absolutely. It was a lot of fun, Max. I hope that we we uh, answered some questions and didn't just sort of raise a whole bunch. I always, when we're done with an episode on lighting, I'm like, I hope I just didn't like scramble everybody's brains. Hopefully that was more enlightening than confusing. But, you know, if you guys have questions, um, maybe you could send them into Max and, and we'll cover them in the, the future episode that I come on to. So that'd be a lot of fun, Max. Awesome. Thank you. And I will see you guys next week. All right. Grow or love. What's up, guys? I really hope you enjoyed that episode with Dr. Coco. We plan on having him back on. So if you want to message me at the Talking Buds podcast on Instagram, feel free. And we can have, you know, another uh, episode with Dr. Coco. And I will have you guys' questions answered. So if you want to send a message in, feel free. Also, if you can go to the Talking Buds podcast Instagram, I'm doing a giveaway for a trim bag at the end of this month. So I recommend everyone go there and find the post, which was the most recent post and follow the instructions to be added to the list. And I will be picking a winner for the trim bag on September 30th. So I hope you guys enjoy the episode. And if you need any links to cocoforcannabis.com, it will be in the show notes. Thanks guys. See you next week.